With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phillips Levin of the 1012 Podcast here. If you've been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on a Monday. What a Saturday it was in the Big 12. Baylor going on the road and doing something very few teams that have been able to do. Win in Lawrence and in dominating fashion. Good grief, that is an impressive win and one that I think deserves some some real talk and that's part of what our show is today we have joe bettner from the norman transcript from the norman tribune on the show he is an ap top 25 voter we're going to discuss where he thinks baylor should be ranked today when the poll comes out where he thinks he will have them ranked talk about the rest of the top teams in the big 12 look it's it's baylor Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. I know Texas Tech is off to a 1-2 and two start in conference play. They've had to play, face two of the other three top teams so far. The schedule was weird to start that way. West Virginia looks really, really good, and they are young. Kansas, I know they lost. I don't care. That Kansas team is still one of the best teams in the country. Um, guys, we might be in for a, a treat of a season in the Big 12. I don't think the depth is there as it usually is, but the top of the conference is really Really good. Okay. Really, really good. Obviously, we're going to get to that. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Texas Tech fans. I, I just, I'm just going to say this. Um, how the hell did Cliff Kingsbury, with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback, go 4-8, and 7-6, and 5-7? and seven? How, in a season where Mahomes completes 65% of his passes, throws 41 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, go 5-7? and seven? And that man is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. 
And I've said it could work there, and I think it kind of has thus far in one season with a new quarterback and a rebuilding team. Whew. Mahomes, man. Chiefs are one win away from the Super Bowl. They're going to take on the Packers. I know this is a uh, Big 12 show, but let me just say this. Um, I'm not a diehard NFL fan. I'm not a diehard fan of an NFL team, but I grew up on the Niners and the Chiefs. My grandpa was a big Joe Montana fan, and he grew up in Kansas City. So the prospect of me getting to watch a San Francisco-Kansas City Super Bowl is tantalizing, which means that I'm going to end up with Tennessee and Green Bay because that tends to be how things work out when I want something. But that aside, very exciting football, guys. Very exciting. Obviously, we're talking hoops today. Very excited to have Joe Bettner on the show. I think you guys are really going to like this. Make sure you are following us on Twitter. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Big 12. We make sure and share, retweet, and post about a lot of it on there. At T-E-M, the number 12, the word podcast on Twitter. Make sure if you like this show, you're letting us know. All you got to do is leave a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, or just be funny. I would appreciate that. And uh, and don't forget, share the show with a friend. Okay. That's, it's it's going to help us out, and we would appreciate it. So just share the show. If you know somebody who might like it, let them know about it. Okay. All that said, really good interview. Let's get to it. Very excited to have Joe Bettner, the Norman Transcript, joining us today to break down the Big 12 hoops. Joe, uh, welcome back to the 1012, man. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, first, so this is your first year as a, a top 25 AP voter for college basketball, yeah? Correct. Uh, started, I guess, yeah, kind of got the invite at the last minute, and literally they were like, hey, you have like eight hours to put together a poll, and I was like, cool, and it's been it's been a fun ride since. Okay, so I'm curious, obviously this is the first time you're doing this. Um, we're a good chunk of the way into the season. How, how do you put together a, a top 25? Because to me, like, it has to be more difficult than putting together a top 25 in football. There's so many more teams. Um, you know, records are even more than football. Record, no records are alike because you have such different schedules and, and it's hard to make comparisons because you take neutral court and home. And there's so many different ways to look at metrics between Ken Palm and the net rankings and RPI and, and BPI and all these different things. So I'm, I'm curious what you've kind of figured out up to this point as to, as to how you put your top 25 together each week. Well, it's always kind of a weird thing because I try to, I guess, measuring like a team's loss from or like if a team loses week to week to like how harshly to punish them is basically the most difficult part about it um and so I just kind of look at the teams who've lost and kind of figure out like what losses I guess are and I hate this term but like quality losses and you know who lost you know a really bad game but um it's just it's kind of it's difficult and I feel like if you look down all the AP top 25 voters each ballot is so so different um, I mean, you can have someone that, like, for for instance, like, I have Virginia uh, ranked 23rd in the country, and I know that someone had them, like, top five, um, and so it's just, it, it's so weird to, to see that kind of disparity, um, and the, the, I think the hardest part is getting probably that 10 through 25 range, because they're just, there's so many teams with two or three losses, and you just kind of have to go off of your opinion of that team, or who has a better, you know, 
um, a better resume. Uh, it makes it really difficult, but it's, you know, it's, it's not an easy process, but uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun to do. And I'm such an honor to, to have to do it this season. So I, I, let's talk about the poll. It, this comes out on Monday. So by now y- your poll is either out or going to be out very soon. Um, if I was a voter, I think today that I would have Baylor as my new number one, especially after, and not just because a huge win on Saturday on the road in Lawrence. It's their first win in Lawrence, I believe, like ever, which is insane. Um, look, it's hard to win in Lawrence, period. But to win the way they did is impressive. And then you look at their resume as a whole. I mean, their only loss came in, in the second game of the season on a neutral site to a, a decent Washington team. They've got five wins over top five API or, or AP teams. Like the, the, the schedule includes wins against obviously Kansas and at Texas tech, a win over Butler, a win over Arizona, a win over Villanova. Like, I don't know that anybody else has a resume as good as Baylor's. There's close. Gonzaga obviously has a nice resume. Duke has a nice resume. Both schools have a legitimate argument for number one, but if you're being, and I guess it depends on your philosophy of do you look at what's been done so far or are you using this as a way to project who you think is going to win a national championship? But to me, I have to have Baylor one after this weekend. Where where do you have them and how do you view the Baylor Bears so far? Well, I haven't filled out my bracket yet, but I'm pretty certain Baylor will be number one uh, for me. And I was not so much skeptical of what Baylor was at the beginning of the season because I think they have some really, really good wins. Um, Villanova being one of them, Arizona and Butler at home. And I think part of, I guess, maybe my reservation was just the home wins are really nice and they're against quadrant one teams. Um, but I put them fifth behind an undefeated Auburn team, Duke, Kansas, and Gonzaga. And I feel pretty good about moving them ahead of there just because winning at Lubbock and winning at Lawrence is such a tough thing to do. And in the fashion that they did was just really impressive. Uh, but having five quadrant one wins, having that resume their only loss like you mentioned was to Washington second game of the season on neutral court uh it's just they are really impressive and I think that they're kind of the clear-cut number one and the NCAA net rankings reflect that being that they are the number one team now after that win at Kansas so it's kind of a difficult thing because I think Gonzaga hasn't done anything really to punish themselves Baylor's just got the resume and they look like the best team in basketball based off of the wins that they have. And, you know, I think that, you know, Gonzaga, the, the one thing that really doesn't help them is they don't have many great games left. Um, and that's going to kind of hurt them as far as being uh, at top AP top 25. But I think that's a team that will still be the number one seed uh, come March, but it's just, I think Baylor's the clear cut number one. And then I, I, I want to see a little bit more from Duke. Um, I think that that Stephen F. Austin loss is, uh, uh, they've really turned around since then, but they really haven't, other than Michigan State, played um, really any great teams. Uh, and so I'll be interested to see how they handle Louisville coming up. Um, that'll be a really interesting game. And then Kansas losing the way they did. Um, you know, it, who knows? The Jayhawks might actually lose the Big 12 regular season title again, just kind of what we're seeing so far. So the, the Big 12 has always been a really deep conference. Um, you know, top to bottom, you could argue it's one of the, the best coached and, and deepest conferences, especially for a conference that has 10 teams compared to, say, the ACC, who's got a lot of garbage at the bottom, or the Big Ten has got a lot of bad at the bottom. Um, I, I don't think it's as deep as it has been in years past, but I'm curious your opinion. Uh, you look at Baylor, 13-1 uh, overall, 3-0 in, in Big 12 play. Kansas, 
West Virginia. And then I know Texas Tech is off to a one and two start. That, that's what happens when you have to play two of the three other teams we consider contenders this, this season. But looking at those four, and, and I guess it's only fair to throw TCU, who is, in, who is three and oh, so far in conference play up there, even though those three all came against teams at the bottom of the conference. Does it feel like the four will truly count? Texas Tech, Kansas, West Virginia, and Baylor. Does this feel like the Big 12's the best the top of the Big 12 has been in a while? Because to me, I know Kansas lost at home to Baylor, but I still view Kansas, that team still feels like a team that could win the national championship. And, and, I, and I, would, I would still view as a very solid Final Four team. But now you look at Baylor, and, and I think this win, similarly to you, like really answered a lot of questions. If I knew they were good, just how good were they? And what is their ceiling? And to me, I think I almost view Baylor as similarly to Kansas now, a Final Four team with a real shot at winning a national championship. West Virginia has been incredibly impressive. Um, Texas Tech is still kind of figuring things. I don't think they're as good as last year, but they're still a really good team that can get hot. How do you view the the top of the Big 12? Do you think this is a conference where the top is, is, is one of the best tops in the country? Or is it, we still just don't know yet. Not really sure where or how good the top of the Big 12 is. I think that Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, Texas Tech have separated themselves from the rest of the conference. I think Texas Tech has kind of uh, suffered from just a really tough start to their conference schedule. But I think those four are really good. I just think we've ran into so many times where the Big 12 has had this perception of being a really solid league, and then they get into the NCAA tournament, and then just teams kind of funnel out after the first weekend. And so I don't know if uh, maybe the fact that Baylor and Kansas look like they could be national title contenders, uh, it bodes well for the Big 12 to maybe be even stronger than they were before. Uh, I really like those four, though. TCU, you mentioned, is a team that is so interesting to me because they have gotten off to this really good start in conference play, a better start than I thought they would, beating Iowa State and Oklahoma State, I think, are really good wins, but both being at home, um, I think that they are going to that you're you're going to see that record. Maybe it could be three and three by the time we're you know talking two weeks from now after they play West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Uh, so it's it, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that up. There's just there's a lot of uh, I think luck involved with TCU because the the, the quality teams that they have played uh, they've lost and they haven't been you know beaten badly by any means. I think their worst loss uh, was a eight point loss to Xavier. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good team, but I think the, the, the top four are, are really, really good. And the rest is just kind of, it's going to be a lot of chaos. I think if, if you were to sit down and fill out like a big 12 tournament bracket, you're going to have a really tough time figuring out those teams at the bottom, because I think all of them are really, really close to each other. So I, I do want to mention the middle. I want to talk about the team that you obviously being in Norman, follow the closest in the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, 11 and four so far, two and one in Big 12 play. Had a, a loss on the road at Iowa State on Saturday, which, you know, Hilton's a tough place to win. I, I know they got blasted by Kansas earlier in the week, but it's, you know, Kansas really good. Iowa State's struggling this year. I'm curious, Oklahoma the last few years has been a team that has seemed to build a really nice record in non-conference play. Um, they seem to start the first half of the year strong, and then they kind of, flitter out the rest of the way this team obviously 11-4 2-1 big 12 play um, they've, they've seemed pretty good so far you know they, they've they've got a couple of okay wins but I'm curious from you is is this team kind of for real is this a team that you look at and say this is a team that 
can make should make the NCAA tournament and, and can make a nice little run, or is this another one of those teams where maybe the not maybe this the, the record is built on kind of some some straw and some hay, and 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 this isn't really who this team is. Well, I think the big difference between this year's team and last is the fact that Oklahoma really didn't capitalize on any of their marquee non-conference games. They had at Wichita State, at Creighton, both games they lost, and they lost by 10 to Creighton, and then they lost a really close one to Wichita State, a game they probably should have won. Um, and then they lose to Stanford back in Kansas City. The, the the big difference between this year's team and last year's team is the fact that Oklahoma, while the record is still really good, um, you don't have a whole lot of room for error. I think as far as Oklahoma past two seasons has gone sub 500 in conference play and have still managed to make the tournament. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case this year because you don't have those quality wins in November and December to kind of fall back on. Losing to Iowa State was not the worst thing in the world because Oklahoma actually won a game in Austin, Texas for the first time since 2015. Uh, but the big thing for OU right now is you've got to beat one of the big four now. Uh, there's no question that they, they need to somehow find a way to pull off an upset against at Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, or West Virginia uh, to really, I think, feel good about – and they, they'll get that chance, um, I think, over the next month. Um, but you have to get a win over one of those teams. Um, the, the one thing that isn't great about this Oklahoma team is how inconsistent they are on offense. Um, I think that really it's kind of a shame that they don't have Christian Doolittle for an extra year because he's – playing on a different level than he has his entire Oklahoma career. Um, and it just feels like he's playing at this really high level when he's got a bunch of players that are probably a year away from really being good because they had seven newcomers, Austin Reeves, the Wichita State transfer, uh, in his first year eligible with OU is playing really well, but I still think that he has a lot of room to grow. And then Brady Manick is a really nice piece, but I, I don't think he's the guy that leads you to a Big 12 title or anything like that. So it's just, it's a, it's a good team. It's just, they're not a great team. Um, and it's kind of been the status quo for Oklahoma is they just, they are good, but just probably not good enough to really break into that top four conversation. But I say that, and this is a team that could probably finish in fifth place in the big 12, just how crazy, as I mentioned, just how, I guess, close each of those bottom five teams are in the conference. So obviously you mentioned they need to get a big win. They've, they've got a, the first chance is this week. They've got Kansas coming to Norman on. I believe that's, um, what is that? When Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday night, Tuesday. 8 PM. Yeah. Um, but just, but looking at, at, at Kansas and Oklahoma, just matchup wise, what, do you do you think they have a shot at Kansas? And and if not, of the top four teams, which ones do you think Oklahoma matches up the best with? Um, I think Kansas is a little bit of a tough matchup for them, purely based on Kansas' front court. Um, I think it's a game they could possibly win because I had this thought. Kansas typically has just this really weird rough patch where they lose a few consecutive games. Um, it seems like Bill Self's squads are always due for that. Coming off a loss against Baylor, I don't know if this is going to be the stretch where Kansas loses to Baylor and then loses to Oklahoma and then maybe Texas, at Texas later in the week. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's interesting just kind of looking at all, all of those teams. I think probably the best one, um, oddly, might be Texas Tech just because of some of the inexperience there and them not having – uh, quite the same cast that they had last season. I just think Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas are going to be so hard defensively for Oklahoma to match up with that uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough for them to get any upset wins. And I think 
at Lloyd Noble um, in Norman could could be where Oklahoma gets that upset. I'm just really not sold this team can go into Waco or go into Morgantown or Lubbock and get a win or even really Lawrence, a place they haven't won at since the 90s. So, you know, that there, there are four really good teams there. Probably Texas Tech would be my answer. But then again, Chris Beard's a really good coach. Um, and it's just – it's really tough. It's going to be really tough for Oklahoma to pull off one of those upsets. And that's why I kind of mentioned they really need to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Um, and Iowa, losing Iowa State wasn't the worst thing in the world, just as far as you know, splitting their road trip last week. But um, it, it's it's a tough schedule, man. And it, it kind of now that you've got me uh, thinking about it more and more, I'm like maybe those four are really good, or as far as like being maybe the deep uh, or the strongest the Big Twelve has been at the top. So for those who haven't had a chance to watch Oklahoma, and, and I've watched them some, but not a ton. What what makes this team go? Like who who are the guys that you really need to know, and 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 what are they really good at? Um, I think Doolittle's the guy that you have to pay attention to, just because he's such a, a strange matchup and being a six eight forward who can stretch the floor. He's developed a three-point shot, which is something he didn't really have in his bag of tricks the past three years. And so he's really developed that and he can take you inside as well. Um, Austin Reeves can get it going from deep. He was labeled as a three-point specialist coming out of Wichita State. Um, Hasn't been quite that since arriving in Norman, but I think it's maybe coming a little bit better together as we've kind of seen through conference play. Um, And then there's Brady Manick, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, who's a really nice solid piece for Oklahoma. The the one thing that he does well, and I think is why he, Oklahoma is such a poor matchup for a lot of big 12 teams because they don't have a big front court. They don't have um, a rim protector really at all. Um, But Brady Manick and Christian Doolittle, the way they can stretch the floor and can shoot it from the perimeter makes them a tough team to guard. And they really need him to, be more consistent as far as shooting the ball and he's done well shooting the three it's just been kind of on a limited volume um so it's been it's those three are probably the most reliable guys that Oklahoma has and the dudes that I think that will probably be all big 12 consideration when when it all comes down to the the season so I'm curious if you want to make a prediction after having watched this team up to this point. Do you think Oklahoma is an NCAA tournament team, or do you think this is a team that will be heading to the NIT in March instead? Um, I think right now they look like a team that could easily be an 11 or 12 seed. Um, I think that's a very reasonable ask of them just based off of what they've been able to do so far and what I think that their their ceiling is um I I would probably if if I was making a prediction right now I'd put them probably more in that space than an NIT team I I think that they'll be um it just and that's kind of based off of what we've seen the past few years Oklahoma's always been able to kind of make it work um Lon Kruger's really good at getting probably a lot more from his team than they're really capable of if that makes any sense and so I, I think that – I think Oklahoma, they're, they're, they're in good shape. I know that the net rankings kind of suggest that they are a tourney team. I think they're – they've been kind of fluctuating between 35 and uh, 45 in the, in the net rankings. Um, and having two quadrant one wins is going to help big time um, for, for Oklahoma. They just need to add a few more to really solidify their place. And as I kind of mentioned, if they go 
if they can get at 500 and Big 12 player or even better, I think that they're golden. Um, anything worse than that, I think I would start worrying about whether Oklahoma is going to be playing a home game to start the postseason or not. So this is year nine for Lon Kruger. Kind of what's the feel around the program with him? Obviously, they've made the tournament far more often than, than not with him in charge. Um, they've had that, that nice Final Four run in, in 2015, 2016, made a Sweet 16 before. But those have been a few years now. And, and obviously, I don't, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat in any way, shape, or form whatsoever with Oklahoma. But I, I am curious, kind of just gauging the temperature of the water with Lon Kruger in Oklahoma. What's, what's the view on him? Um, trying to project long-term, is this a team that can get back to playing Sweet 16s and Final Fours, or is this kind of where we are with, with 18, 20 wins each season and, and just getting into the tournament? I think the overall mood is Kruger is the, you know, he's, he's a good face for the program. Um, I would probably, the best way I would describe Long Kruger is he's really safe. Um, you're probably going to be looking at an intensively tournament berth probably every, you know, you're going to make it probably uh, three out of four seasons uh, every time you have him. Um, I just don't know if he takes them into that next level of being a national championship contender. Uh, part of that is, is that, in, you know, you can old takes expose me here, but I don't think anything ever is going to come out about Oklahoma linked to any of these Adidas or Nike investigations. Um, he just runs a really clean program and that, that's good. Uh, just the, the recruiting has been, has benefited a little bit from uh, Trey Young being a Norman kid, Blake Griffin being an Oklahoma City kid who wasn't around for a long Kruger's time, um, but they've had some luck there. And then Buddy Heald was definitely a guy that OU did a really good job of developing, but they need to develop that next guy. And I think they've done that somewhat to an extent with Christian Doolittle, but they haven't quite made him into an NBA, you know, a guy that's going to be drafted, I don't think. Um, probably gets a, you know, cup of coffee at Summer League, but um, – but I, I think overall, this coaching staff—it's—it's—it's it's, it's nice. It's—it's it's a good. It, I think a lot of programs would love to be Oklahoma, a team that makes it—you uh, know—three out of four seasons um, every time. And so that's—it's a good thing to have. But um, I'm not saying get rid of Long Kruger by any means. But I—I I, I just think that you know he—he he, there is a definite ceiling with the, with the Oklahoma's program right now. Um, and I think that that Final Four run kind of showed. Um, how good they can be when they really do get a nice core group in there that isn't maybe NBA bound, uh, but they can develop for a few years. Um, but I'm just not sure that you're ever going to see Oklahoma knocking on the door of winning a Big 12 title each season, um, at least in the immediate future. It just seems like they have kind of fallen behind while other teams like West Virginia and Texas Tech uh, have kind of taken on those roles and maybe even Baylor becomes one of those groups but I just don't see that for Oklahoma right now Joe this has been fantastic I always appreciate you joining us here on the show and especially when you talk basketball this is so unusual for us uh but you do great work covering Oklahoma where can everybody do uh, go and, and find the work you do talking about the Sooners and uh both football and basketball yeah uh well all my work and all the stuff I write can be found at normantranscript.com uh the Twitter handle for the transcript is literally just the transcript or excuse me, it's at transcript. Um, so it's uh, pretty easy to find. Um, all my stuff for OU Men's Basketball is there. And uh, we appreciate everyone that checks out our work. 
yeah, go check out Joe. Joe does a great job. He goes out of a, uh, have a pretty good podcast covering Oklahoma as well that I've been on the catch a few times and really enjoyed. So keep up the good work. Uh, good luck figuring out your top 25 this week. Uh, I look forward to seeing what you decide, man. Uh, I, I appreciate it, man. It's going to be a, a fun little chore at 3 a.m. tonight. So I'm, I'm, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. I appreciate you having me on again. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps us get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.